Isn't it wonderful to have young people? I love young people. I remember when I was one. And I love old people. And I'm glad I am one. <laughs> and I'm very glad to see you folks this morning. I like to see your smiling faces. I've enjoyed already the fellowship of several of you as we visited and enjoyed conversation, and it's nice to be back at King's Grand Baptist Church. I love the fact that y'all have given me the opportunity to be here, to share God's Word, to meet so many good people. I've even loved the fact that I get to hang out with Scott Chafee. Hey, Scott. Yeah, I still love you, brother. I've known Scott for about a hundred years. He's not that old, but I am. But we have been good brothers for many, many years. I guess it has been, seriously, 35 to 40 years. And I respect him deeply. Y'all are blessed. Blessed to have Pastor Scott Chafee in this place. And I pray for him, and I pray for his leadership, and I pray for you as you respond to him. He invited me to come and share these weeks with you, and I am thrilled about that. I am here because the Lord has put me here. One of the things that I have enjoyed so much, and this is amazing, wonderful, it is an affirmation of what we all are doing. Many of you have said very, very nice things about my sharing sermons or teachings with you. That means an awful lot to me because when you say that, that means that it's meaning something to you, that God is speaking, God is doing something, you're hearing, you're realizing. But one of the things that I've experienced is from the moment Scott invited me to come, I have prayed and had absolutely no doubt about what I was to share with this congregation. I have preached many, many times over the years, and sometimes I've had to struggle with it and say, Oh, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do here, and what am I supposed to say? I have not experienced that in these past several weeks. I have preached under God's leadership, and I have been focusing, because I believe that this is what we all need, on the basics of our Christian faith and the basics of church body beliefs and operations. And we've been looking at prayer and worship and discipleship and fellowship and outreach and all of those good things. And two weeks ago, I preached a sermon on stepping into the water from Joshua 3. I will tell you that that sermon was the only sermon that I would class as a canned sermon. Now, maybe you haven't heard it called that, but preachers have sermons that they carry around in their back pocket. You understand what I'm saying? And so that went on Joshua 3, Step Into the Water. I had preached several times before in my life. And in fact, I preached it right here one time before about five or six years ago. And one dear lady came up to me after the service last two weeks ago, and she said, Dr. Solomon... 
I opened my Bible and right there beside Joshua 3, I saw your name and a date. And I said, whoops, I've been nailed. But I celebrated the fact that she said that. She said it with a smile on her face and I received it with a smile on my face and I knew that God was telling us to step into the water and to stand on faith in what he says. As I understand right now, the plans are that I'm going to be with you for the next three Sundays. Now, I'm in Lord's hands and available for whatever he says. But for the next three Sundays, we're going to continue the whole theme, not with canned sermons, but with what God has led me as far as the foundation of our Christian faith. The next three Sundays, I'm going to be talking to you about the cross. Now, I I pause there for a moment because I want you to hear that. I'm going to be talking to you about the cross. And if there is anything that is the foundation for our Christian faith, it would be the cross. And the celebration of the cross, the sacrifice of the cross, the horror of the cross, the glory of the cross, the cross and Jesus Christ. Because if it were not for that, there would be no redemption, there would be no forgiveness, there would be no payment of sin. We would be stuck in our sinfulness. And because of the cross, we have the freedom to step out and move forward in freedom through Jesus Christ. And so I'm looking forward to the things I will share with you today and for these next two Sundays after today. Now, when we think about the cross, where do you find information about the cross? That's a good answer, the Bible. But in the Bible, you would think most of the time we look for the cross and even for Jesus Christ in the New Testament. But I hope you're aware that Jesus Christ is all through scriptures. Old Testament, New Testament, this book, that book, that book, this book. And we see things about Jesus Christ and we see things about the cross in the Old Testament. Now I'm going to pretend that I am Dr. Solomon with a PhD and I'm going to give you a big word right now. Do you know the word Christophany? How many people have heard that word before? Ah, we got a few people. Christophany is a reference to Christ. Christophany, just like Christmas, Christophany. It is a reference to Christ where he either appears or has a word. And the Old Testament is There are items of Christophany all through the Old Testament. And that's thrilling to me. And so what we're going to do here for the next hour and a half is... Well, I could. I promise you. I wish that it was, but we'll take... How about, would you give me 20 minutes? Is that good enough? 
Now, some people told me this morning that most of the time I hold your interest. I hope that is true. Usually I tell stories. Today I have the privilege of taking this wonderful book that we believe in and doing a Bible study, which I love. I love telling stories. I love doing a Bible study. And we're going to take two Christophanies, two references to Jesus Christ and his life, actually looking back into the Old Testament and looking at the cross and Jesus Christ as he suffered on the cross. So I wish you would get your Bible or open your Bible app on your phone or find a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And right now, please turn with me to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Because that's what Natalie read for us a moment ago. And we're going to look at this very powerful passage in Isaiah. Now remember, these are things that were written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ before the New Testament was written. And so Isaiah lived about 700 years before Christ. Now we've got to keep that in mind because there are things here in Isaiah 53 and a little bit later we're going to look at Psalms 22 that are so so dramatic and so telling about the cross and Jesus Christ. So if you look at Isaiah 53, it starts off there, and I'm going to start right in in the middle of the second verse because it says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, uh, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, who esteemed him not? His chosen people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, Isaiah, the Old Testament. They esteemed him not, all the way up to and even to this day. And as Bob Simon said a moment ago, Part of God's word is to share our faith with Jewish people, the people that have not accepted Jesus Christ. Now, moving on, we look at some suffering. And these next three verses, four, four, five, and six, I want you to pay attention to the ire. Surely he took our pain. He carried our sorrow. Now, is he talking about you and me? Is this passage talking about you and me? Of course it is, because that's why we're sitting here. Because he took our infirmities, he carried our sorrows. Yes, we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced. I want you to stop with that word for a moment. This is a statement of suffering. This whole, these three verses right here talk about the suffering that Jesus Christ, he was pierced. Where was he pierced? His hands? His feet? 
Now, somebody said his heart. Now, his side, yes. But I like the fact that he was pierced in his heart. Because he knew what he was doing, and it hurt. It hurt so very badly, but he carried our sorrows with joy and gladness because he knew the love that was in his heart, but he was suffering for you and me with a broken heart. So he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Where was he crushed? It was not like a boulder fell on him. But have you ever thought about a crown of thorns being shoved down on your head? I would think that's a good illustration of crushed. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Now, did he deserve punishment? No. He did nothing wrong. But he took your punishment and my punishment and put it on his shoulders. The sin that you and I have done, do do, and will do sat on his shoulders. And it says that the punishment that brought us what? Peace. This cross in Jesus Christ is the very essence the very origin, the very source of peace. The punish that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He was afflicted so that we would be healed. He was injured so that we would be okay. Don't miss that, please. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have gone astray. We are sinners, except here's the way to come back. Now that has to do with suffering. Now the next few verses have to do with sacrifice, because he is sacrificing himself. Look at verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. Now, could he have? Could he have left that cross? Could he have defeated all of those people that were afflicting him? Could he have walked away and said, I ain't doing all this? Well, we want to say yes because he was God. He is God, all-powerful. But I got to tell you, based on his love, no, he could not have done that because he was sacrificial. And in this is a lesson for you and me. He suffered, now he's sacrificing and not even complaining a drop, not even opening his mouth. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And we can speak, who can speak for his descendant? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. There it is again. Our transgressions, his being stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. What does that mean? He was assigned a grave with the wicked. 
Who are the wicked? Well, that's a good point. Thank you very much. Man, I'm going to pull you all into, we're going to sit here for an hour and a half and discuss this, okay? I wish we could. But he was crucified between two criminals. And he was surrounded by Rome. By all of the Roman secular people crucifying him. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Who's the rich in his death? Nicodemus was there. Joseph of Arimathea. What grave did he go into? Do you know Joseph's grave, tomb? Joseph was a rich man. And he had a tomb where? In a garden. And Jesus went into that tomb dead. And three days later, he came out of that tomb alive. Isn't that what happens in a garden? Now, my wife loves to play in the dirt. I don't like to play in the dirt. But out behind our house right now, there are tomatoes growing all over our back porch. Because she planted these seeds and they died. And now these plants and all that good fruit has come up off of them. And Jesus Christ in Joseph's tomb was in a garden. And life came. And he did all this, though he had no, he had done no violence, nor was in any deceit in his mouth. Jesus Christ had done nothing wrong. Now, these first two sections are for suffering and sacrifice. I have a question for you. Do you suffer? Not much. We have some ills and pains and, you know, get older, we hurt a little bit. But do we suffer? Do we suffer for our faith? Do, do we do what these young people did? Are, are we more interested in being comfortable and convenient? I'm afraid we're more interested in being comfortable and convenient. And Jesus Christ suffered. And he sacrificed. And you and I need to take a lesson from that. But let's look at the last section of this. There is satisfaction here. So we got suffering, we got sacrifice, and we got satisfaction. Because it says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see, listen carefully, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He will be satisfied. Do you understand that Jesus Christ on the cross did what he was supposed to do? He gave his life through suffering. He took your sin and my sin and put it on his shoulders and walked to the cross willingly. And in that, there was satisfaction. Do you know that these young people that we've heard from this morning were satisfied? As they, what, as they just played and 
had a good time and heard some of their music and had games. Yes, all that's wonderful. But they were satisfied because they had given their life to God's kingdom. They had given their life to service and honoring the Lord. What a lesson for you and I. Now, let's do one more. Please turn to the 22nd chapter of Psalms. Psalms 22. (laughs) Now, seriously, I wish we had a whole hour or two. If you have not ever read and studied and gotten information on Psalms 22, my few comments here this morning, I pray, will just whet your appetite. will encourage you to go to your scriptures and to your thoughts and to your prayers and to the Holy Spirit leading you and to whatever commentaries you might trust and want to look at. Because the 22nd Psalm is called the psalm of the cross. And what does it start out with? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cried by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This whole psalm, we get a look, an experience, if you will, if you will take it in deeply, you get an experience of what Jesus was going through when he was hanging on the cross. In fact, if you have courage to do this, put your own thoughts and your spirits right there with him. He is hanging there on the cross. Not just him, but with all of our sin hanging on him. And God, his heavenly Father, this is the man Jesus, hanging on the cross, and God has turned his his head away, has forsaken him. What What a tragedy, but... And some people say, no, it can't happen. But God could not look on all of that sin. God could not face all of the sin that was put on Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes on in verse 6, and he says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by people. All who seek me and mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. Isn't that what Jesus was going through on the cross? They were saying, oh, Jesus, King of the Jews, well, you're, you believe so much in this God stuff, and Jews, Jesus, you're powerful. Come on down off the cross. Oh, that's just a bunch of stuff. They were mocking him. They were throwing insults at him. He was suffering there. Verse 9. Some people feel like that this is Christ crying out to both his heavenly Father And to his earthly mother. Now was his mother Mary there at the cross? Yes. She was watching all this. Suffering with her son. And so in verse 9 at 10 and 11. He says, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Even at my mother's breast. 
From birth I was cast upon you, both mother and almighty God. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Doesn't that sound like a son crying out to a father and a mother? There is no one to help. Please help me. Jesus Christ is suffering at the very depth of his soul. He is anguished over the sin that he's carrying. And then verse 12 and following. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Basham encircle me. These are the people that are crucifying him. The soldiers, the people that are antagonizing him. Roaring lions tearing their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. He is feeling the mouth, the the attack of the lions of Rome. And he's saying that the, the lions are tearing at me and opening their mouth wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. I read something as I studied all this. When the blood begins to flow out of us, the joints let loose. His whole body is just deteriorating and falling apart. All my bones are out of joint. My heart turns to wax. It is melted away within me. Jesus Christ is dying of a broken heart. A broken heart. Because he knows the sin that you and I are involved in. But remember, there is satisfaction and victory because he's doing what he knows has to be done. But it still breaks his heart. My strength is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. Dogs mean Gentiles. Gentiles, the Roman soldiers. The dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And they have pierced his side. A soldier pierced his side and water and blood flowed out from this broken heart that our Savior is experiencing. I count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. I almost hate to say this next statement. It's every possibility that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ hung on the cross naked You feel, you understand the sacrifice and the humiliation. I don't even know that I can imagine it. But I know that he did it. And he did it for you and he did it for me. But this last part of the 22nd Psalm moves to victory. Here's that satisfaction again. The suffering is there. The sacrifice is there. But the satisfaction is there. It says in verse 19, 
But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Now, he's saying at the first of this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now he's saying, Lord, you're coming near. Come and help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs, the mouth of the lions, the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you He's preaching right now. Hallelujah. There's satisfaction. There's victory here. Verse 25, for you come, for you, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They will seek the Lord and praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nation And if it had not been for the cross, that would have not been. Do you realize? Do we face the fact? Do we live with the fact that if it were not for this kind of sacrifice, this kind of suffering that Jesus Christ went through 2,000 years ago, and the fact that from that came this wonderful victory this satisfaction, this thing that we praise, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master and Savior. Now, I want you to think about this. Please, please, let me encourage you. Go back to Isaiah 53. Go back to the 22nd Psalm in your own time, in your own devotion. Now, I want you to take this. This is, this is almost, I'm begging you to accept an assignment because I've only barely touched the significance of these powerful, amazing, horrifying, glorifying words. But I beg you because even as I've studied in preparation for sharing with you today, It has thrilled me to once again look deeply into the Old Testament and to see this that was written a thousand years before Christ. And Isaiah 53, which was written 700 years before Christ. And the fact that the Holy Spirit had had Jesus Christ and the cross in front of us for thousands and thousands of years. And His... He's still in front of us. Now next Sunday, we're going to look at the cross and Gethsemane and Calvary. I'm excited about that. And then the next Sunday, we're going to look at the cross and resurrection morning. This is not Easter time, but boy, we're going to celebrate the resurrection, okay? Amen. Let me pray with you for just a minute. Jesus, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for the fact that we can reflect so that we can talk about, think about, pray about 
so that we can in some small, small measure experience what you have done for us. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know how to be thankful for it. But I pray that you will convict and convince in me and in every person in this room the power, the suffering, the sacrifice, the satisfaction, and most of all, the victory of you, Jesus, leaving the cross and being a living, loving Lord that you are. We thank you from the bottom of our heart. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.